Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Our reading today is in Matthew chapter 2, the first 11 verses. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod heard the king, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the priests and scribes and the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So, th so they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. At this time, we're happy to turn the remainder of our meeting over to our brother Don Pell as he brings what the Lord has laid on his heart today. Brother Don, please. All right, Christmas means a lot of things to a lot of different people, does it not? Uh, there's a myth, I guess it's a myth, that there are more suicides during Christmas time, but I guess that's not really true. According to what I've read, actually the wintertime is the best time, and the spring and the summer is when suicides happen the most. But there are a lot of people who are grieving, they've lost loved ones, for instance, sometimes just before the Christmas time, and it's a really difficult, difficult time. But when we think of Christmas, among all the things that are associated with it, we normally think of giving and receiving of gifts. The Lord himself said it is better to give than to receive. And so Christmas is a time when we do that. It's kind of interesting in the giving and gifting of gifts, sometimes frustration sets in. And it's because sometimes you get a gift that you don't need and you cannot use. What would you do if that were to happen? You get a gift that either you don't need or you can't use. Sometimes you get a gift you just don't like. You don't like the color. Maybe you don't like the style. It just doesn't work for you, and yet... Here it is, somebody was really gracious and gave you that gift. I gave myself a gift, a little, um, a little pad, and I opened it up and discovered I wasn't going through the learning curve. So I 
returned it. I'm glad somebody didn't give it to me because I don't know how I would have explained that I didn't want it any longer. Sometimes a gift just doesn't fit. Then you have to go through the hassles what returns. And I'm telling, I've already learned that there's a huge backlog in returns right now. People already are returning gifts even ahead of Christmas time. Well, if that all happens, the, uh, you're left with just one thing, the spirit of giving. Isn't it interesting that God's Son is described in a number of places in Scripture as a gift? James says it's perfect. Here's what he writes. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. How would you like to get a perfect gift? How would you like to try to give a gift to the man or the woman who has everything? Ever thought about that? I'd like to get to have to give a gift to Bill Gates. If you don't know who he is, he's the founder of Microsoft, and considered at one time to be the richest man in the world. He certainly is numbered among the top five or ten. I'd like to give a gift to the former president who appears to have just about everything that he wants. It would be very difficult when to try to find that perfect gift for somebody who really has no needs. But then the scripture says that it not only was a perfect gift, but it was unspeakable. Wow, think about that. To the Corinthians, Paul writes, Thanks be unto God for his indescribable or unspeakable gift. Its value is so fine and so rewarding that I can't even really speak about it and express it into words that you'd really understand. Unspeakable. And then John in his gospel said, Not only is this gift perfect, not only is it unspeakable and indescribable, but it is unique. Now, there's no such thing as being more unique or less unique. Something either is unique or it is not unique. And John in his gospel said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only, here it is, begotten son, monogenes, once born, never before, never after, monogenes, unique gift. Now most gifts are usually wrapped and delivered. Notice how God wrapped his gift. We thought about it earlier. The writer of Hebrews says, a body thou hast prepared me, which tells us that that birth was a natural, real, live birth. Natural parents, natural delivery. By the same token, we noticed last week that that gift not only was natural, but it was unnatural because that holy thing was eternal from the very beginning. So a natural birth, an unnatural birth. How did God deliver his gift? Well, he carefully planned to make certain that it arrived precisely at the exact place at exactly the right time. 
there's an expression, timing is everything. Boy, in business, isn't that true? Timing is everything. The writer of Galatians says, God who lives outside of time pointed to a time in history which he calls the fullness of the time and he sent forth his son made of a woman that he might redeem us. Everything that had to be was. Romans ruling with their cruel custom of death by crucifixion. The Jews there in Jerusalem under bondage. Mary and Joseph at the exact precise age. Even the authority, Caesar Augustus, unknown to him, was part of the timing as the whole world had to be registered, causing them him to be born exactly where God wanted him to be born because he had predicted that hundreds of years before it ever happened. Bethlehem, thou art the least of those. Wow, timing. That would tell us, of course, that it was preternatural. It means that it was predetermined before it ever took place. The son was given before the child was born. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O my God. And then, of course, we notice that the gift was also supernatural because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So we have a natural gift, an unnatural gift, a preternatural gift, and a supernatural gift. God provided a neat gift, a unique, rather, gift. His gift is desperately needed by everyone. It'll bring joy and satisfaction to all of its recipients. It's perfectly fitted to each person's individual need. If we were to go around today and ask different ones to give their testimony, I dare say they would differ. They all come to the same place, but the experience that led them to the Lord could be different from one person to another. And that means that the Lord came to us right where we were, saw our desperate need, and suited that gift to absolutely perfectly need, meet the needs of each individual person. A very personal gift. And, of course, here's the really good thing, too. It's permanent and continual. It's the gift that keeps on giving year after year after year. We reflect on it year after year. It keeps on giving year after year. The gift that unspeakable. God's gift is perfect. Why? Well, all men have a common problem, do they not? They're alienated from God. And they need, every one of them, needs forgiveness of sins. The scripture makes it clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The heart is deceitful, deceitful rather, above all things, and desperately wicked. That's common to all men. It's a little wonder that the angel said, you will call his name Jesus because he shall save his people 
from their sins. And aren't you glad that John, later on, the scriptures remind us that he is a propitiation not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. Those who receive it are completely satisfied. Great satisfaction. The psalmist writes, for he satisfies the longing soul. Have you ever watched children open up gifts on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, as is your custom, especially if there are lots of them? They'll scurry around, grab the first one they can get a hold of, and man, tear off those wrappings and look at it and enjoy it for a brief moment. But then there's another one. Boom! They go to the next one. And look at that. Whoa, there's another one. And they tear into that. And they, they don't seem to have a lot of satisfaction and as they go from one gift to the other. Nancy has a little policy, which I think is a good one. Every time they get a new toy, they have to replace an old one. So they don't get an accumulation of a lot of toys. She knows that those old toys are old hat. They probably don't play with them very much anymore. So you get a new one, you got to replace it with one that you've had. You see, uh, isn't it a shame to think that someday your gift is going to end up in a garage sale? Right? or a thrift shop, because you no longer either need it or you're no longer satisfied with it. It may have met a need at a time, it doesn't meet a need right now, and so you just simply discard it, and away it goes. And particularly if you get a gift you don't want, or you don't need, or doesn't fit, it might very well end up in a garage sale. This is one of the glorious aspects of the gospel of Christ. The fact that it fits every single person. Peter expressed it this way. He says, the reason for that, the reason that it's for every person, regardless of their race or their sex or their age or their social status, whether they're rich or whether they're poor, the simple fact, Peter says, God's no respect our persons. Matters not where you come from or your age or your sex or whatever the case. One of the things that was frustrating for me during Christmas time is I was involved in accounting and a closing of the books. And uh, a lot of things had to be done exactly a certain way. caused it very distressing. And one of the things we had to worry about is not to discriminate in, for instance, funding a pension plan. You couldn't discriminate on the people with the high earners. You couldn't discriminate among the different things. So each plan would have a lot of carefully things that you had to pay attention to when you were funding a pension plan so as not to discriminate against someone on the basis of sex or background. Peter also said, you know, God's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should perish. He wants all to come to repentance. And John says, it's whosoever believe it. This gift passes all the anti-discrimination tests, every one of them. All those anti-discrimination tests you ever thought about this gift passes. There's no discrimination. That was markedly pointed out in the life of Christ when the scripture says to us, he must needs go through where? Yeah, Samaria, really? Samaria, yes, no respecter of persons. Not only did he engage that woman in Sychar as well, 
But they, she said to the men of the city, go see a man that told me everything that I did. Is not this the Christ? And he went into that city and had conversations and with those people in Samaria. So he loved the Samaritans. He loved the Jews. God's gift is permanent because it'll not only last a lifetime, uh, but it's forever. But, you know, when we think about salvation, sometimes we think about it in internal values. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who should, uh, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. What about between now and then? Is that gift important to us between now and then? Well, it's the gift that gives on giving. One of the favorite hymns I have, and I think Billy would agree, that's probably one of his, I'm living on the mountain underneath. The, that's not, that's not, isn't it? That's now. That's not eternity. I'm living on the mountain underneath a cloudless sky. I'm drinking from the fountain that never shall run dry. Oh, I'm feasting on the manna. There it is. Of a bountiful supply for right now this gift is giving. Right now I'm experiencing the benefits of this gift. I'm dwelling right now in Beulah land. And think of these benefits. First of all, we have an intercessor and an advocate every day. Our standing before God is secure. He ever lives to make intercession for them. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have a shepherd, one who directs us, cares for us, provides security. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I will give unto them eternal life. We have a great high priest. We have someone who understands our infirmities, tempted as we were, yet sent apart and invites us to come to the throne of grace to provide mercy and grace to help in time of need. These are all these benefits that began when this babe was born in Bethlehem's manger. That whole execution of salvation's plan began then. He becomes our friend. Isaiah said he'll be a wonderful counselor. He's a counselor to those who have placed him in their own hearts. You are my friends, he says. I have called you friends. Not only that, but he is a provider. But my God shall provide all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He calls us brother. We're brought into the very family of God. The Hebrews write, the writer of Hebrews writes, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Not only that, but the writer of Ephesians even gets a little bit more intense. He says, you have been accepted in the beloved. And I take that to mean in concert with the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You are part of that now. You've been accepted in that beloved situation. Wow. I mean, this gift just keeps on giving, just keeps on giving. And the benefits are boundless, not only in this life, but, of course, in eternity, because Peter reminds us that we have an inheritance. It's incorruptible. It doesn't fade away. 
and we have a reservation in heaven. So, a great life here on earth with a shepherd, with an advocate, with a wonderful counselor, with a friend, and yet a promise of an inheritance in heaven. So, gift giving. You know, there's always problems, aren't there, with gift giving? A lot of people struggle with God's gift. You ever wonder about that? I mean, it's free. It has all kinds of benefits. We've already talked about all the benefits that this gift has. And yet people say, well, thanks, but no thanks. Well, first of all, I think some people don't understand that a gift is not a gift, or a gift rather that is earned, rather, is not a what? Not a gift. If I mow your lawn and you give me 10 bucks, I earned that, right? If you smile at me and say, Don, I really want to do something good for you and give me 20 bucks, that's a gift, isn't it? I do a thing, and I'm grateful, and you just did it out of the goodness of your heart. There was no works involved. And the writer of Ephesians reminds us of that, does he not? For by grace you're saved, through faith, not of yourself, not of works, lest any man could boast against before God. A gift does not, does not have to be deserved in order to qualify as a gift. Someone can give you a gift out of the kindness of their heart. You don't even deserve it. In fact, none of us were deserving of this gift because we were enemies of God. How many of your enemies have you given gifts to this year? How many of your enemies do you plan to give gifts to this year? Probably none. Whosoever believeth in him, John says, it's, oh, here it is. How is it received? Well, it's real simple. Faith. Simple believing. But if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that you ought his raises from the dead, you will be saved. And then John says, but as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. So why would anybody in his right mind refuse such a marvelous, wonderful gift? Why would they? Well, there are a number of reasons. First of all, the devil. We read that the devil has blinded men's eyes and hearts to the real truth about Christ. He wants them to believe that maybe he led a nice life, but they don't want to take, he doesn't want to take you to the cross because he was defeated at the cross. Paul says, if our gospel will be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. The devil says, you know, Jesus isn't a gift. He's just the spirit of giving, just like Santa Claus. Not a gift. All that involves here in all this Christmas business is just like Santa Claus. The giving and giving of gifts, nothing more. But the wages of sin is death, and we know that the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So uh, during this Christmas season, as you're thinking in terms of gifts, may our mind reflect on this good gift, this perfect gift, this indescribable gift, 
this gift that keeps on giving, this gift that meets our every need, that gifts assures us our security. And that plan in giving that gift was executed back when a child was born in Bethlehem's manger. That's in the fullness of time when God stepped into time and began executing a plan that was written up in eternity past and now is being executed, leading to where? The cross. We were at the cross this morning, weren't we? Leads us to the cross, the burial, the resurrection, and now leads us to the gift that keeps on giving, the ascended Christ who serves as our mediator, our advocate, our shepherd, our wonderful counselor, our provider. All we need is in Jesus. Jesus is all I need, as the song goes. A lot of truth to that. On the other hand, though, fellowship of God's people is pretty good too, isn't it? Fellowship of God's people is pretty good. That's another gift, you know that? Just the pure fellowship of God's people being part of the family of God is a big gift. I've often thought how interesting it is that in the assembly of God's people, meeting the way we basically meet, in the big scheme of things, we're very small. Isn't that true? But we are everywhere. I mean, you can go hundreds of miles away and find someone who meets the way we do, and sure as shooting, you can drop a name. I mean, the people from the UK come here, and what do we do? What do we, we reflect on somebody that was here before. We reflect on somebody that visited there. You know, it's, it's amazing, this little family that we enjoy inside of a family. Well, that in itself is a gift. But I'm so glad that it's not just limited to the so-called brethren. It's, oh, amazing, isn't it? You know, I've often said one thing I love about the Baptists is there's so many of them. Isn't that true? I like about anybody who places their faith in Christ and places their faith in Christ, there are so many of them because we belong to a, an incredibly large family. Thanks be unto God for his good, perfect, everlasting, all-purpose, unspeakable gift. It's all free. Let's pray. Father, indeed, we're thankful for the unspeakable gift of your Son. As the world observes this time of the Incarnation, may they be also led from Bethlehem's manger to the cross where Christ gave his only begotten Son. May we be instruments to point those in the right direction. We pray that the thoughts that have been expressed might have been a real encouragement and a blessing today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.